Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Familiar Cow with Nine Realms. Hey, I'm Chad Thoreau. Uh, I do content for ThorSwap. I'm Pluto. I do DevSec and Infra on the ThorChain protocol, as well as Nine Realms Engineering. Hey, everyone. I'm uh, Eridanis. Um, yeah, protocol developer uh, at Nine Realms. Do a lot of work on ThorNode. Also, um, kind of... Uh, working on developer experiencing uh, experience onboarding new devs into ThorChain and helping uh, DEXs integrate ThorChain as well. Cool. So maybe we can start off with uh, with Eridanis because you, you put out an interesting thread yesterday on Twitter uh, just about the, some of the improvements of stability, security, decentralization, whatnot. I pinned it up on the top of the uh, on the space here. If, if everyone could scroll up, you could check out the thread. So. Um, maybe you could talk about some of the Im- improvements to protocol security and stability, because th- that's really what we've been focusing on internally at, at Nine Realms, just making sure that uh, the protocol is in the where it needs to be to uh, move on to mainnet stability-wise, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think at Nine Realms, uh, our position is that like what ThorChain already does is just amazing, and it's it's something that doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Um, and like the the utilization of, of, of ThorChain, you know, isn't anywhere where it could be. Um, and you know, all the new things that are coming down the line, like ThorFi or any new chain integration. Those are amazing things, um, and you know they should be rolled out in a safe and secure way, um, slowly um, tested thoroughly and in the right manner. Um, and in the meantime, you know, like our focus is really improving what we have because what we have already functionally is is incredible. Um, and you know, as we kind of trod slowly towards mainnet. Um, we want to make sure that the system is working at its best, um, that you know our visibility into the system is working at its best, um, and we're pushing you know monthly, weekly, daily towards a, a more decentralized network um, because that is really what's going to make it future proof. Um, so yeah, in that thread, I kind of just. Uh, outlined a few things that are happening, you know, and these, these are just things that have happened over the last week. You know, it's a, it's a long list uh, if we went through everything. But uh, one of the interesting uh, PRs that Son of Odin opened was a uh, kind of ensuring that no, uh, no one cloud provider, so that's like Google Cloud, AWS, um, Microsoft, et cetera, uh, would have 33% of the nodes, active nodes on the network. Um, and so I just want to point out one distinction there is that, you know, over time, uh, ThorChain Thor validators will need to move to self-managed hardware to ensure, A, like autonomy um, and independence from, uh, you know, governing bodies um, and just to ensure um, performance of the network. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of advantages of, of self-managed hardware. Obviously, it's more difficult. So bootstrapping on cloud providers makes sense. Uh, but in the meantime, the idea is that, you know, each cloud provider is potentially a failure domain. So if uh, for some reason, you know, not even um, governments coming in and intervening, but even if Google Cloud, for example, had a, a system-wide outage, you don't want more than 33% of the nodes on Google Cloud because that will actually halt consensus on ThorChain. So this PR will ensure that uh, ensure that diversity, uh, which is super important in the meantime while we move to the future of self-managed hardware. Um, 
one of, one of the things that's interesting to note about that though um, is that like the vote for that measure has already commenced. Um, and in fact, it seems that, you know, um, so far, um, no one has, or no one, one, one person, let me think, I'm looking at the votes right now. Two, two nodes have voted. Yeah. Two nodes have voted to actually enforce the cloud provider limit with like, I think one, two, three, four, uh, one, two, three. Yeah. So, so it's like three, three to two. Um, and then of course, like all the other node operators either abstaining from the vote or not, you know, just haven't gotten around to it yet. But so I think that what this vote is going to, to, um, show us is that ultimately node operators will kind of, um, you know, we would hope that they would vote in like the best interest of the network, but there's also like an element of selfishness, um, that all node operators may experience. For example, um, not wanting to vote against their own economic interests or not wanting to vote um, in the short term, not wanting to vote against their own economic interests or, um, you know, not voting for measures that would make their lives, you know, any harder. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of, um, you know, how this plays out because at the end of the day, it, all of these decisions are in the hands of the node operators. If, if they don't want to support this measure, like it's not something that like we nor the core team will, will push on anyone. Um, yeah. And so it'll just be interesting to see how this like plays out because obviously doing this will require some node operators. Like if they are on AWS and they churn out, they won't churn back in unless um, you know, the, the amount of, uh, nodes running um, AWS is lower than than what um, all the other node operators collectively voted for. Um, so yeah, this 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 form of governance um, can sometimes be at odds with like the long term goals of the network. And so it's just it's our job as like core developers and as nine realms to kind of educate node operators on why first why this change is necessary, but then also make that segue make that transition as easy as possible for them which means, um, you know, uh, our teams testing um, different cloud providers, providing options, providing migration strategies um, to really minimize the effect that this has on the, uh, the operational overhead that is incurred by nodes. So yeah. this one, this one's a super interesting one. And I think that like, it, it's, it's one of those things that's going to take a while to, uh, to shape up, but, but ultimately like getting proposals out there like this is, is a step in the right direction towards decentralization. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. So um, I can see your point on, so like current node ops that are, that are running on AWS, for example, they're probably, they're probably unlikely to vote on it immediately because even though they know that that's the direction that the network needs ahead in the future right now it's quite a it would be quite a process for them to get onto another uh you know either another cloud service provider or start to run up a, a bare metal node is that is that like a big process to move on to like to find another provider or to you know spin up a bare metal node what does that look like for a a node operator who might be running on AWS right now. Um, so I think Pluto, this is more your your expert uh, expertise, but I can at least uh, speak to the cloud provider side. And you know, the the Thornode docs have you know guides for setting up on all of the most popular uh, cloud providers. Um, so if if a node operator and 
hopefully, and I think they all are, are familiar with, you know, running cloud infrastructure, they really shouldn't have too much issue moving to a new cloud provider. It's just really getting familiar with like the intricacies and the nuances of the system. Um, and, and that does take time. Yes, but it's, it's, it's not impossible. Um, and then in terms of hardware, yeah, that's, you know, obviously way more complicated. Uh, but yeah, Pluto, I don't know if you had anything else to add there. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's a certain degree of like just tweaking all the different um, cluster configurations depending on the different cloud providers. So, for example, like we know that AWS and Google just kind of work out of the box um, because they're ones that like either we have tested or people that we know have tested. Um, and the reliability, you know, is there. They have like they have pretty um, mature um, hosted or like cloud Kubernetes offerings. So like those are, are pretty easy, but then there's other providers like DigitalOcean and Azure whose, um, you know, whose hosted Kubernetes offerings are somewhat lacking. Um, you know, I spent some time with a, a node operator on DigitalOcean diagnosing just like little weird things where, their volumes wouldn't, you know, become unbound from their pods, um, which are basically the what hosts the chain daemons that allows um, Thornode to kind of keep in, in sync with all the different chains. And so it's just little things like this, um, little peculiarities where like there is not parity between the major cloud providers in terms of the quality of the Kubernetes offering that they feature. Um, of course, day by day, like, you know, um, those guys are playing catch up, but like, like Google, no doubt has the best uh, Kubernetes cloud offering because Google like literally invented Kubernetes. So it's kind of obvious that they had a head start. Um, Amazon's, you know, was, was pretty bad back in the day, like when they, when they first announced it, but like, it's, it's quickly caught catching up. And then, you know, Azure and DigitalOcean are kind of just like playing, you know, playing catch up with those, with those guys as well. So, um, you know, there, it, it's one of those things where like, if you turn out and you were, you were on AWS, but you can't turn back in, um, you know, we, we want, we need to ensure that like that the F, the amount of effort that is required for you to like transition over to, um, um, you know, a, a, a Kubernetes cluster running on a different cloud provider is, is minimal. Um, uh, but also that like, we've tested out those configurations and like we can provide the best practices to say like, Hey, you need to run on this type of hardware and like, and, 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 you know, this is just the best uh, configuration, but it's something that we kind of debate internally um, quite a bit. Like on the one hand um, we, ex we hope that people who run um, Thornode um, are, are like, you know, expert, infrastructure, you know, DevOps engineers, um, and that they would be able to just kind of like figure this out all them, all themselves. And that we wouldn't have to even maintain like the repositories that help people bootstrap the, the, the nodes, like that they would just be comfortable enough with the, the tooling that they'd be able to do it themselves. Um, but what we've kind of seen so far is that the, they're not that quite there yet, but, um, I think that over time, like, like right now it, it, it costs, up to ten million dollars to um, to basically run a run a, like a, a a node that has nine hundred k bond, which is the the optimal bond at the moment. Um, and so, like that's a that's a lot of money. But like when we start talking about the value of these bonds, like being like north of a hundred million, I expect to see 
um, a lot more. Um, I expect to see like a lot more professional teams stepping up um, on on the on the cloud infrastructure side. So I think in the long term, it it, it should not be a problem to get um, you know a, a, a diverse pool of node operators that that operate on a diverse pool of um, of cloud infrastructure. But that's going to be an ongoing um, an on, it's an it's an ongoing area of R and D for Nine Realms to provide. Um, the best possible experience for those node operators, regardless of which um, cloud provider they're on, which any, anyone who's ever built like multi, multi-tenant, um, you know, or, or, or hybrid on-prem cloud um, architectures, like would know that that's a tremendously difficult task to like build a software stack and then also be able to maintain parity um, in performance um, and reliability across um, across multiple cloud providers. So it's something we're continually striving toward, um, and it's going to be you know it's going to be an evolution, right? Like decentralization will not happen overnight. It's going to be something that's going to require um, documentation, support, um, as well as 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 uh, incentives like the one that um, the one that you know enforcing like a cloud provider limit. Um, would create. Do you have the current rough numbers on like what the majority is? Uh, like, is is AWS currently over thirty three percent? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. AWS is currently like fifty percent. So Got I think it. that's the that's that that's the first one. I mean, any, any node operators listening in now, um, if you're running on AWS, like I would consider, I, I would think that you should consider to at least move over to um, to Google or Azure or DigitalOcean. Um, now, now one of the areas that we've identified, um, for, you know, for, for further R and D this year is also on the bare metal side. So like eventually, um, I would like to publish, uh, an article, which is basically just like, like Thornode in a box, um, with just like a shopping cart, you know, newegg.com or whatever, you know, wherever you prefer to get your commodity, um, computing hardware, but essentially just like a, a shopping list of all the things that you would need to buy. And then all of the directions that you would need to, to, to follow, to set that up, to actually run a Thornode, um, either like out of, um, out of like a, a, you know, renting rack space in a data center, um, co-location, or even potentially running it out of your home. If you had a, a good enough of a, um, a good enough of a, of an uplink, which, which I think would be like the ideal topology is like, um, you know, less than half of, of, um, of nodes. Like, like my, my ideal scenario would be less than half of nodes are running on major cloud providers. Um, and of those, maybe even like half of those would be non, uh, us based. Um, and then, or sorry, not non us based, but non us cloud provider based, because again, we have, Google servers that are running in Europe, but they're still bound by the, the regulations of, um, of the United States because Google is obviously incorporated as the United States. Um, so yeah, there's, there, there's significant work to be done there, but I, I can foresee a future in which um, a majority of node operators are, are running um, essentially like bare metal hardware, um, either in their homes or, or, or in, in data centers. Is that long-term goal also um, simultaneously a potential solution for like the scaling of chains um, problem, like say Solana um, and just like requiring higher hardware than cloud providers can, can give like, 
the more we go that way, is that something else that could be solved by that? Yeah, uh, potentially. I mean, I mean, the idea, like the important thing to keep in mind is that every time we add a new chain, um, you're basically having like, especially a, a heavy chain like Terra and certainly a heavy chain like, uh, like, like Solana, um, that's like, that's the equivalent of like having to buy an additional rack mount server. So like if you, if you, if you just think about like the, the physical hardware requirements of like running, um, like Thornode right now, you know, you would require like seven units of rack space, seven or seven or eight units of rack space. If you wanted to run, um, you know, like a completely dedicated bare metal hardware. So say, so say, so say we wanted to add like another 10 chains, like, now you've essentially doubled like the footprint. And so that comes with, you know, rising costs that comes with rising complexity. There are limits to, uh, to you know, to hardware and to ha- to compute architecture. Um, so it's, it, there, there are very real trade-offs that have to be considered uh, when deciding which chains to connect. Um, you know, if anything, adding more chains quicker um, further cements our reliance on major cloud providers because it pushes us further away from the possibility of regular people or even experienced um, infrastructure engineers being able to run this thing um, on dedicated hardware. Um, really, really, what, what what I mean by that is that at this at this time we're kind of leaning on um, major cloud providers as a crutch to solve some of the difficulties of of uh, of running you know large Kubernetes clusters at scale. Sorry, what we're running is not necessarily large, but it has the potential to be considered somewhat large. But again, this is something that is made tremendously easier for us by these cloud um, major cloud providers. That I, I don't think even I don't think that even a dozen of the node operators that we have currently would be would be capable of, of doing that if they if they needed to do that in a um, you know in a, in a completely standalone like like bare metal way. Um, but, but what our job is as nine realms and as the core developers of this protocol to do is to give them the resources, education, and potentially put them in touch with the people that they would need to do, uh, they, they would need to learn from in order to become, to level up their skills so that they could become, uh, that top notch of cloud provider. Um, and so all this is to say, this is one of the reasons that like specifically from my point of view, I'm very, very hesitant anytime we're just like, hey, add a new chain. Like we really, really have to consider the trade-off. Every new chain that we add makes it more difficult to properly decentralize. It creates a, a operational complexity on node providers. And it, in, in a way, it, 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 it pulls us further away from our ability to properly um, decentralize. So like if we had 30 chains connected to, to, to ThorChain, I would be convinced that, that most, if not all, um, Thor nodes would would be would have to be on a major cloud provider, and that's simply something that we cannot allow. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's definitely like th- there's more of a consideration here than just like how many users, how much volume will it bring? You know, like that. That's why we put the NICs on Solana for now because Solana just has like otherworldly hardware requirements to the point that it would require a lot of um, sort of just like custom configuration and it would, it would essentially create so much overhead for node operators that it just, it, it didn't seem like it would be worth it right now. 
Uh, again, that's something we can revisit, but it's it, it's very important to consider um, these these sort of trade offs when when deciding which change to add. Yeah, two hundred fifty six gigabytes of RAM for uh, Solana full node is kind of crazy, <laughs> especially when considering it would probably double the infrastructure costs at, at least for running a Thor node currently, right? Yeah, yeah, you have yeah. you have to you have to consider that um, when, when when deciding. So like. Yeah, that, that that's why like like UTXO chains like super simple, lightweight, easier to add. Proof of stake chains like uh, Terra and even like Cosmos Hub like they have a fair bit more um, more requirements. So um, you know, it, it's just it's a it's a balancing act. Um, I, you know, and, and of course, the TVL, the possible volume, um, is on one side of the scale, and then on the other side of the scale is like the operational complexity. Or potentially the regulatory scrutiny that adding that chain would would uh, would bring. So it's a it, it's a it's a careful balancing act and, and one that's a little bit more nuanced than I see in most of the sort of like Twitter discussions that are going on about what's the next chain we should add. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's it, there's there's a lot of factors at play there. Um, I think I think part of that is just due to other projects not dealing with these issues because they just don't deal with running other chain daemons and uh, you, you, when you when you all these other uh, projects that are doing cross chain, they're either on a singular chain, so it's not really a consideration they have to make, or uh, they just <laughs> they don't realize that that Thorchain is completely different in the, the architecture, the way it's set up. But this is a full this is a full stack right here of everything, not just uh, you're not just running a Thorchain node. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Like, like like every not only do like we as developers of the the chain integrations have to essentially become experts in how every other chain works, but all of the node operators should also have a baseline level of knowledge of how those work. Um, so like back in the day, um, you know, I used to work on a project that like had to run Geth nodes and like that was consistently one of like the biggest pains of like running a DAP was actually like running your Geth node. Um, and like, like back then, you know, people didn't even like, there got to a point when in the Ethereum chain where like, you couldn't even run a geth node with a spinning disk. You had to like convert to SSDs and there just like wasn't guides to even like do that back then. Um, so just like little like nuances like that, you know, like we can, as nine realms, we can provide sort of out of the box chain daemon installation that just, that just kind of works. Um, but like at some point, um, if there's issues with any of any chain, we like, node operators will turn to us to basically tell them like, Hey, this is how you're going to debug that issue. Um, and so like, that's something that, you know, you can rely on us for, but like we, what we would hope is that as more node operators come onto Thorchain, they possess the skills to do some of that themselves, because that is truly what is required to make this thing decentralized at global scale and completely self-sufficient. Um, you have to, you have to assume that at some point, um, like, like node operators have to kind of like take that into their own hands and, and understand those intricacies. Um, and, and it's, it's very difficult. It's a full-time job. Yeah. And there, there could be some interesting sharding techniques to implement down the line. Like if we have 120 nodes and we have like 15 chains, uh, you know, a mechanism could be put in place where, you know, some nodes run some chains, you know, not every node runs every chain, for example. So 
that could be an interesting uh, scaling technique to, to implement down the road, but obviously yet to be built. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. I had wondered that before, like, like for these more difficult ones, like could only 40, for example, um, run it. I'm curious, like just on this topic of, of new chains, are you guys working on any uh, sort of models that would help uh, somebody like me understand the actual way of like prioritizing new chains? That's not just volume and activity, but actually, factors in like the things you're, you're referring to, like, uh, hardware requirements, um, uh, regulatory scrutiny, uh, because I think that'd be really valuable for like the broader community to, to have a better picture of like what it actually takes for each chain. Like, like say something like avalanche, like my impression is, Oh, it's, it, it must be easy. Right. Cause it's, 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 it's EVM, but I would imagine there's like gaps in my knowledge. Um, so it'd be really helpful to kind of really understand like the true cost in a way of of each potential chain and like weight that against uh you know how much volume would it bring in kind of the more obvious obvious components that's a that's a really interesting idea yeah we we have spreadsheets that kind of go through you know all the um you know all the factors that we look at when when considering a chain uh but we should definitely formalize that more and, and definitely make that public. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, yeah. and then just, just, uh, to speak on AVAX for a second, cause you mentioned it, uh, that is a chain that I'm, I'm actually looking into. Um, and yeah, it, it seems pretty, it seems pretty easy. I mean, the, the infra is, is, is small, it's fast, it's easy to set up. Um, so I'm actually working on the chain client now uh, along with the other things. Um, and the whole and premise what, of AVAX is just the really lightweight uh, node infrastructure, right? Like when I, when I was looking into AVAX, that, that was yeah. really the thing that they touted as the major advantage that they have. Yeah, I mean, AVAX is super interesting because it's actually, you know, it's a, it's a whole infrastructure set up to create your own blockchain. That's like really what they want you to do is they want you to create, they, they have what's called subnets. Um, and so, you know, like you can, you can go on and create your own subnet and, and create your own blockchain using Avalanche as the infrastructure. Um, and from what I heard, it's like, it, it's pretty easy. So, but it, they, they did something that was very smart is they created like three subnets to begin with, right? They set up their own subnets. And one of those is called the C chain, which is essentially an EVM copy of Ethereum with a different consensus mechanism because they use their own consensus consensus protocol um, and a different gas mechanism. Obviously, it's much cheaper and faster. And transactions on the C chain have instant finality, but you can still write smart contracts in Solidity. So there's like great interoperability with uh, Ethereum. Um, so we're we're like looking at the connection that we have with Ethereum as the existing model. But one thing we're doing is. Right now, when we kind of implement new chain clients, they're, they're, they're pretty different between different chain types, right? So you have your UTXO chain like Bitcoin, Dogecoin, things like that. You have an EVM chain like Ethereum. You have Cosmos-based chain like Terra. Um, and each of these have different nuances, right? So building it out the first time is is the most difficult. So Pluto just spent, you know, whatever, two months, you know, 200 commits, whatever it was on, on the Cosmos chain, Terra. Uh, but now that we have that chain client, it will be much faster to build the chain client for something like Atom, uh, so, which is great. And so one thing we want to do is kind of help speed up that process and reduce code duplication by like kind of creating a generic protocol, generic interface 
that handles a lot of the, you know, the plumbing and the, the boilerplate code that's the same between different chains that implement the same kind of base mechanism. So I'm working kind of on like an EVM uh, based client that will handle a lot of uh, the things that are similar between every chain that is EVM based and supports the Ethereum RPC spec. So that's like AVAX, Phantom, Binance Smart Chain, Ethereum, obviously. So we want to kind of like reduce code duplication, which reduces like attack surface area. Obviously, um, you test once and, you know, that kind of just simplifies things. So that's something that we're working on uh, aligned with uh, the, the AVAX chain client. My, my, my heart goes out to you. Good, sir. EVM is such a beast. <laughs> it, it really is. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's worthwhile, obviously. Um, so, yeah. So let's, um, yeah, let's talk, let's talk real quick. Cause it, it's, this is, this is really interesting. Like as, as we start to gear up for mainnet, I think we'll talk a little bit more about mainnet in a bit. Um, but as we start to gear up for mainnet, like we want to like, like, I want to just take you guys back to where we were. I think it was in like December, maybe November of this last year. Um, and there was like, we were very, very rapidly like approaching the caps. Um, caps were constantly full. Um, there was this question like, okay, even if we launch Terra, do we have enough bond to secure all of those assets? Um, and so like we, we really shifted our focus to attracting more bond to the network. Um, you fast forward to now, um, and we've, I believe doubled the amount of bond. Um, there's currently $639 million bonded into Thorchain. Um, so like we definitely hit that goal. Um, you know, all of the, all of the, uh, efforts that we took, especially the bond weighted provide, um, sorry, bond weighted, um, um, rewards as well as the pooled validators, which allow, multiple parties to pool into a certain, into a, into one node. Um, those all, I, I, I would consider that to be a success in so far as we have reached the goal of essentially being able to kill the caps. Um, and we have plenty of space left to add more liquidity. Um, and so what that's happened is, is that we've tipped the incentive pendulum really far in the opposite direction. Now there's way more bond, um, than there is liquidity. Um, and so node operators are only earning about 10% APY right now. Um, and so there's two, there's two things that we can do um, for, for, for node operators for them to earn more money um, from their nodes. One is obviously increasing the APY. The other is increasing the, 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 the price of the token. Um, and, so, and so one of the things that um, adding new chains does um, is it kind of directly pushes on both of those levers. Um, one in that people are buying Rune so that they can pool their token against Rune inside of liquidity pools that creates buy pressure. So we, we, we I think we saw a lot of that with, um, with Terra um, was not only, you know, people just from the Terra community getting hyped up about um, Rune, but also like people bit buying big slugs of Rune so that they could pool, um, so they could pool against um, um, Rune. Um, so, where we are today, I think what's it been like two, three weeks since we launched and we've got about 85 million in liquidity. Um, so every, every, you know, every million that of liquidity that goes into Thorchain increases the, um, you know, the APYs that, um, that, that bonders, uh, uh, receive. Um, so basically what we need to think about when, 
you know, deciding or, or rather what node operators need to think about when deciding what chains they want to support is how much ROI will this give me to my bottom line? Um, yeah. And another, uh, another way to, you know, increase yield for node operators obviously is increased volume and swap fees. Um, obviously if the incentive pendulum is still shifted away from them, they're going to get a let, like a smaller percentage of that. Um, but it can still help. And so, yeah, to your point, it's like, you know, what chain is going to a, like, yeah, let's get liquidity in there. We, we want people to, to want to pool those assets and b like, what chains and ecosystems do people actually want to transact through ThorChain? Um, and we've actually seen a lot of interest from the AVAX community. I mean, we're, we're in talks with some DEXs that uh, are interested in, in giving their users uh, BTC and USDC off-ramps from, from their AVAX-based DEXs. So that's another kind of reason why we're, we're bullish on that integration. Um, but yeah, sorry, continue, Pluto. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a great point. And, and, and what I was going to add was basically just that when we, when we're deciding which chains to add, um, you know, I think the, like the number one qualifier that, that, um, that node operators can, should consider is how much liquidity will this result in being added to pools? Um, because again, that's going to create by, uh, um, by demand, pressure on the rune asset and it's also going to boost their APYs. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that like the idea of like, you know, looking, looking at just like a project's market cap, it isn't really the biggest thing. Uh, you could have a market cap of 500 million, but if your community and, you know, and, and, and I think this is a big part of like the, you know, the, the business development efforts of, of nine realms is like going out and, actually trying to gauge interest on like who wants to provide liquidity because it's really the provide providing liquidity. That's the, that's what we want to optimize for. Now, I think that we've more or less solved the bond problem for the time being. So now the question is how do we get people to add liquidity? Um, so, you know, if, if there was, um, you know, an AVAX whale um, that was like, yeah, sign me up for a $50 million, you know, AVAX liquidity slug, that's a huge, that's a huge bullish indicator on a chain integration. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. Like it, it would, it would make more sense to prioritize chains that had big slugs lined up and ready to go, which is why, you know, the, the Terra integration made so much sense at the time that it did is because not only did we have a lot of popular support from within the community, but we also had people, um, you know, Luna whales that were like, I am ready to, you know, go in and start, um, putting millions of dollars into the ThorChain pools. Um, and so like the growth, the speed at which we can grow the, the a new liquidity pool is a major indicator. The worst thing that could happen would be to add a new chain. Um, now all the node operators are spending, you know, an, another thousand dollars a month to, to, to basically maintain that chain. The devs, the core devs are spending our time and effort to build, both build the chain integration, but also to, to support that chain um, anytime there's a hard fork, anytime there's any issues with the chain, anytime there's any updates that affect our chain integration, we have to keep on top of those. Um, so like the worst thing that could do with that would be that like we would, we would add a chain integration and they would only bring, you know, less than 10 million in liquidity, liquidity to the platform. So to yep. me, that's, that's like the number one thing we need to gauge is how much liquidity will this bring to the platform? Um, because I think that I think the volume the volume thing is going to solve itself in the long run. In the long run, we're going to add 
many, many um, um, integration, DEX integrations, which are basically, you're not even going to know that you're using ThorChain under the hood. You're just going to be swapping AVAX to BTC on, you know, Paraswap or wherever. And you're just like, ThorChain will be opaque to you. So, you know, I I think that like, first we solve, I mean, someone put it really well, um, Akila put it really well um, when he said, first you solve the security problem, that's bond. Then you solve the liquidity problem, which is where we're at now. And then throughout the rest of this year, we'll be solving the uh, the volume problem by going after the DEX integrations, uh, which yeah. Aerodynamics can speak more to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also want to touch on uh, you know something along those lines is, and this is something that like I think about, and I don't know how many people agree with me, but you know we have Bitcoin Cash, we have Litecoin. Bitcoin Cash, there's four point six million dollars of liquidity. Litecoin is five point six, uh, five point one million. Um, you know, and Litecoin is raking in half a million of volume a day. Bitcoin, hundred k volume a day. I mean, in my opinion, we we also need to think about the process of churning out chains and sunsetting chains because. You know, that's two chains right there that we could save our node operators, in my opinion, a lot of uh, hassle um, and, and leave space for the more active chains. But, you know, that's something that hasn't been, you know, flushed out, but in my opinion, should should be. Do you think that with uh, Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin specifically, that those are giant asks for the infrastructure? Like, do you think those add a lot to the costs where supporting them might not be worth it for the network? Um, I think, well, so they're UTXO chains. So yeah, Pluto, you can definitely speak more to it. Um, and, and I think that's part of, I mean, obviously they're in the top 20, right? Market cap. So it made sense. And it was just kind of a copy of the UTXO chain client. Um, so they are, are, are simple. Um, but you know, obviously any chain will increase load to, to, a to a validator. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that, but it's, it, you know, to, to date, um, the bit, you know, because Bitcoin cash and Litecoin have slow block times, so we're not like reporting the fees very often. We're not, you know, they're not dealing with a ton of transaction volume. I would say that overall the load that it creates on Thor node is not very high. And from an operational perspective, I don't think that there's ever been a time when we've had to intervene um, to like debug Litecoin or Bitcoin cash. But I yeah. think that regardless what, what you're saying is true. We, we do need a process for offboarding chains um, in the event that they're not performing well. Um, I think likewise, we also need, you know, um, a way to sort of experiment with these longer tail, longer tail chains, um, before bringing them into mainnet. Um, and so there's going to be, you know, we'll have some more details on how that will look soon. Um, but like, even, even if ThorChain was just a venue for trading, um, you know, all of the top L1s. Um, in the world, like it would still be an extremely revolutionary product and the DEX aggregation pattern could essentially tie the rest of those, uh, you know, close the rest of those loops. Yep. Let's talk about mainnet. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Cool. So yeah, last time, I think sometime in December, um, we put out an RFC, the basically a request for comment, um, on the path to mainnet sort of what we see as the uh, as the, the prerequisites for reaching mainnet, um, those were um, networks secured by diverse teams. Um, so again, Nine Realms, Thorsec, um, you know, stepped up. Um, seamless churns. So you know, there's been 
Uh, we had some hiccups um, on the ETH and Terra um, networks that you know have been patched recently. But aside from that, we're in a much, much better place than we were um, at the end of last year. Um, things have been running very smoothly um, to the point that I'm, I'm finally getting eight hours of sleep again. So that's really nice. <laughs> um, we, we've grown bonds as I, as I previously mentioned, um, we launched StageNet um, to essentially act as the, uh, canary network for testing new chains. And we successfully added, uh, Doge and Terra, which were, um, the first new chains to be added since multi-chain was launched. So in that sense, we've essentially proved out ThorChain as not only a network, but as an operating model for adding new chains, for onboarding new community members. Um, in this time, we've also um, expanded the footprint of Exchange.js. We've worked with um, contributors across a number of projects. Um, ViewBlock really has stepped up. Um, We've seen Thor Wallet. Um, we've seen Shapeshift starting to make strides towards um, integrating more tightly with ThorChain. Um, Asgardex is is has been you know on top of it, just continuing to ship um, and 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 continue to keep up parity. Obviously, ThorSwap has been you know really leading the charge on all of these and providing day one support for the new chains and integrations. And so, like to me, like what 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 kind of signifies that we're at mainnet more than anything else is that we have these diverse groups of teams that have really stepped up and begun providing services and, and continued support. Um, and that they're not just like coming and going, but that it seems that they're there to stay. So, um, you know, the ecosystem that has sort of coalesced around ThorChain um, is now clearer than ever. And so, um, basically that is to say, I, I believe that we've reached all of the, um, you know, the, 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 the major sort of checkpoints for mainnet and, um, yeah, I mean, I, we're, we're basically there. So, um, I think that the, uh, I, I can't, I can't announce an, an exact date. Um, but it's, uh, the time is nigh and, you know, I, I would actually, you know, invite when we, when we, um, have people come up for Q and A or if, um, Chad or Aradanis or um, Cal have any any other things that they would like to suggest? Um, please do. Um, you know, it's it's um, you know, like like just let us know what what your definition of mainnet is. Um, but as far as like w where I would like to see the network, I I think we're there. Um, so yeah, we, we should we should look out for um, an announcement on that coming very soon. Um, I've been working on revamping the, uh, the thorchain.com website. So, um, in, in parallel with the announcement for mainnet, we're going to see a completely revamped thorchain.com website that will really, really, um, improve the, in, improve how we communicate what thorchain is, um, and, and what you can do with it to, uh, to what will undoubtedly be the large influx of newbies coming in as a result of our declaration of mainnet. Um, not to mention just the the importance of mainnet as a designation is that it, it essentially one it casts off um, our sort of blanket um, we'll call it like an excuse if things go wrong um, <laughs> we're no longer you know it's taking the training wheels off right we can no longer say oh well it's chaos net like it's basically the stamp of approval that says like this thing is ready for production it's ready for t prime time. Um, and then the other thing that it does as well, um, 
Fuck, I forgot. What was I going to say? Um, yeah, someone else. Someone else can. Uh, yeah. Well, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot internally at Nine Realms is stability and security. That that is Nine Realms' number one focus when it comes to Thorchain. Not, you know, not. As important as it is to add new chains and add new features and, you know, Thorfi and everything, uh, like like Pluto was saying earlier, stability and security are the number one focuses of the development at Nine Realms. That includes internal reporting tools for the health of the network and making sure that the network is decentralized enough. And it, it's really just about the, the the health and security and safety of funds on the network uh to protect all the users and to maintain the decentralization that thorchain really strives to achieve because that's really the main goal of thorchain is to be a completely decentralized and secure liquidity network that does all these amazing things connecting all these chains but we need to make sure that we're we're doing it in a in a safe way where everyone's everyone's funds are secure and uh that, that that's the number one focus of what we're doing at at Nine Realms, and that's what we want to keep bringing that energy into mainnet because that's really what we've been focusing on since uh, J- July. <laughs> that that's, yeah. that's number one focus here at Nine Realms. Yeah. So yeah, just just hopping off that is, um, and, and I think Pluto's right. You know, we have uh, you know Thorchain has accomplished you know all of the major things that it is set out to do, right? Like it, it has been proven it works. Um, and if we implemented no new features, it it is still incredible. Um, you know, but obviously there's some housekeeping things that we want to tackle as well. So just a few examples of like some things that nine realms has suggested. Um, but you know, 60 days of standard network operations with no critical incidents. We'd love to see an increase in code documentation and reducing code duplication so that we can onboard uh, new developers easier. Um, and then along those lines, just more documentation and guides to, to build ThorChain, build on ThorChain, you know, run nodes, this, this stuff. And then like disaster recovery uh, uh, processes and documentation. So, you know, if, if a node goes down and gets completely borked, un, unrecoverable, you know, we can still recover those funds through, uh, you know, the TSS um, uh, ceremonies. So we need to prove out those processes and then like automatic TSS backups for node operators. So that's just a, a few things that like we've highlighted as, as more like housekeeping things um, that are, that are away from like major functionality that we'd like to, to handle. Yeah. I, I remembered what the second thing too was. So like w- once we do demonstrate all of those things and we do reach the, uh, the main net designation, um, that that kind of represents like uh, a, a real turning point in how we go into discussions with other projects. Um, so you know, a lot of projects have kind of said, "Yeah, like we're you know we're interested in integrating, but um, you know, like come back to us when you guys are mainnet." So um, essentially, the the declaration of mainnet, like for for me, coincides with like the 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 large push towards integrations. We're basically saying. We're, we're staking our reputation behind this. We're, we're saying it's ready to go. Um, and now, you know, you are, you can integrate, you can get, you can get swaps cross chain in your decks on your wallet now. Um, and so that's why like, yeah, just, just some, some of the conversations with some of the bigger players um, have, have stalled around this sort of like, well, you know, talk to us when you're outside of uh, chaos net. So 
you know, that, that, that to me also, yeah, it represents a, a major shift towards integrations um, and, and onboarding, you know, bigger, bigger slugs of, of, of liquidity um, from bigger players. So expect, um, expect things to really ramp up from both the liquidity side and then the volume side through those DEX uh, integrations and wallet integrations um, um, after, after the mainnet declaration. Cool. We're running up on the hour here. Um, and we are short staffed today. We don't have Chad. So why don't we jump into questions? Yeah, sure. And if you guys need to hop off or whatever, uh, you know, feel free to do so. Me, me and Chad got all this covered, but we'd love if you guys could stick around for however long for some community questions. We'll bring some people up that have requested. Uh, if you want to ask some questions to uh, any of the Nine Realms team or, uh, you know, any of us on stage, just hit that request button. We'll let you up. Uh, don't don't hook, don't go up here to like show your product or whatever. I'm just gonna kick you off stage. Sorry, but I'll invite people up right now. Hey, uh, Matt Hypes, first person up. Good morning. Hey, um, good morning. Um, can you guys hear me? Yep. yep. All right. So I got a quick question. Um, I'm new to this game and APY, APR, and everything like that. Right. So. When I first invested in a Thor, uh, when I first downloaded Thor Wallet, that was a few a month ago. It was everything was on APY, and right now it's on APR. Is there a, is it gonna go back to APY terminology wise? Um, I see I see Thor Wallets in the in the crowd. Maybe they want to come up and answer that. It might be a, more of a specific Thor Wallet question. I don't know. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say I think the APY and APR terms are are used interchangeably. It, it seems like that's probably just like a a, a semantic thing with Thor Wallet. Um, but if yeah, I would ask their I would ask them directly um, if uh, you know what, what what the reasoning behind that change was. I just accepted them to come up, so they should be connected in a second. Hi guys, can you hear me? Hey, yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, just re regarding the APY, APR thing. So we work closely with the Midgard team and did, did the major overall and then did the calculation from, from scratch as we found some, some errors basically in the math and then also decided that APR is probably the better term. Um, although, understandably, they can also kind of be used synonymously. Um, but yeah, this, this will be rolled out uh, in in Midgard through through all the Midgards that are running currently, so um, I expect actually actually that all ecosystem projects will switch to that term now. So um, just a follow up for what from what you said, um, you're saying that it's going to be permanently APR now. Yeah, that's right. You know, so the the input parameters they they haven't changed. It's it's merely the the naming. And the math that we now use a uh, seven day average to to do the calculations, but like the amount you earn is actually this, the same as it was before. Awesome. One more thing before I drop down. Um, so when you say it's going to be APR permanently now, so from what I understand, APY does um, um, what you call it? It does compound and everything. That's APY. That's why I was curious because I you know. Would it still compound right now, even though it's it's the terminology used with APR? Yeah, that's that's right. So the the amount you actually earn is the same as before. We just made it more accurate and changed the term. Thank you very much for having me up here. 
Um, I love you guys' work, and you guys are great. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thanks. Uh, Sixty dollars finance. Yeah. Good morning, guys. I hope you're doing all right. Um, <clears throat> special thanks to the Nine, uh, Nine Realm guys. You're doing awesome job, and for all you've done in the in the past. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, from the community, I guess. Um, my question would be uh, regarding the the, the terrace uh, the terror chain that now was integrated. I guess I read it somewhere that there is not actually right now currently plans for adding other Terra chain coins to the to the offering or to to Tor chain. I mean, especially like speaking of like coins like AUST, for example, who are just sitting idle around, like earning that uh, 19 and a half on Anchor. I mean, I guess there would be a huge, huge potential for like volume, LP volume coming from such coins or like a broker, uh, broker, like the bro coin that just launched on Terra as well. So I was wondering um, if there are no plans on adding those those coins that are similar to like Ethereum and ERC20 chain, uh, coins, um, is there a technical reason for that? Or is there just in the beginning, like, let's say, let's focus on Luna and UST and it will be added later on. Thank you. Yeah, I can take this one. Um, so yeah, with I think with, um, with Terra, we wanted to try something a little bit different. Um, what we see with like the ERC, with the, with the ERC 20 tokens is a lot of volume, um, essentially a lot of, a lot of cap space being taken up. Um, so sorry, not volume, but a lot of liquidity and cap space being taken up by, um, very, very underutilized tokens. So like, um, USDC, uh, on ERC 20 has 16.2 million in liquidity, but only 170,000 in 24 hour volume. Um, so that's obviously like not an efficient use of not only the um, the cap space, like the the security that's provided by the Thorchain network, but it's also not a great use of the Thorchain reserve protocol reserve, which is essentially used to subsidize and and fund the um, uh, partially um, you know a, 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 the, any component of the APY or rather AP, APR. Um, that is not from uh, swap fees is, is from the protocol reserve. Um, and so it's just, it's not a good use of the protocol reserves um, money to be um, subsidizing a, a pool to receive 30% um, APR. If it's only generating, um, you know, a hundred thousand um, a, a, a day in volume. Um, so one of, one of the things that we wanted to, we didn't want to like retroactively do this until it was ready for ETH. But one of the things that, um, I would like to at least see as the next evolution of, um, of, of Terra is twofold. One, I would like to work with, um, I would like to work with the, uh, the ThorSwap team to essentially, uh, have them list all of the, um, all of the CW20 tokens, basically all of the Terra tokens that are available, um, on, on Astroport, uh, by simply, uh, wrapping the Astroport router on Terra. And then allowing people to do um, sort of like a message execute contract and a message send function in one message. That might sound extremely technical, but um, if you look on my Twitter, there's an example of how we essentially in one transaction used Astro port to uh, swap Astro to Luna and then Luna to Bitcoin on ThorChain. Um, and so this is like part of the aggregation model. And so the aggregation model can work on two sides, right? It can work on the ThorChain ecosystem side, which that means working with ThorSwap to essentially list all of those tokens 
So you could just use ThorSwap to just, um, or any, or any UI that is, you know, willing to do the, the work to implement this, but that you can simply swap on ThorSwap for any of those tokens without them actually being pooled in ThorChain. And so what that does is that concentrates the liquidity on the L1 and the useful stablecoin tokens, like, you know, basically talking about Luna and UST. What we want is that, so that the Luna, the Bitcoin, the UST pools are as deep as possible so that anybody who's swapping from, um, you know, Astroport, whatever um, altcoin on Terra into Luna can then get the best price going from Luna to BTC because those pools are the deepest. So rather than having um, like like a, like a, a, an Astro pool that only has 5 million liquidity, you're actually going to get a better price if you use Astroport to swap Astro for Luna and then use Thorchain to swap Luna for BTC. And then you've created a bridge from uh, Astro to BTC where the user gets the best price. Um, the protocol reserve isn't needlessly subsidizing a shallow pool and we're reserving cap space for the most productive assets. That's my vision for like how Thorchain is used um, and, and the front ends kind of work kind of into that strategy. And then on the other end, on the other side of that coin, I would like to work with Astroport to integrate Thorchain to allow them to list BTC on their decks, right? So this is like, so part of this is in, inward facing DEX aggregation, um, by adding and wrapping contracts on of external projects. Um, and that, again, I say wrapping a contract, I don't mean any wrapped tokens. These are all native tokens on those chains. Um, the, the idea of wrapping a contract just means that um, their contract can call into our system. Um, and so there's like a little bit of, it's a very, it's a technical thing, but the end result is that the pools on ThorChain are only the deep L1 pools and Astro port can um, secure and cre and create swapping for um, their tokens. You know, it, 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 it basically, it says that like Terra will probably be the best ecosystem for swapping Terra tokens. ThorChain will be the ecosystem that binds all of the L1s together to provide the most number of pathways across projects. Um, so that, that I think becomes ThorSwap's role. And then, um, and it, you know, is, is, is aggregating more uh, tokens from projects outside of ThorChain. Likewise, we will go to Astroport and give them the tooling they need to basically allow them to natively support Bitcoin swaps on their UI. And through that, we will capture a ton of volume through, um, through ThorChain and we will give the best prices because there will be deeper pools um, for the L1s. So yeah, in that sense, I don't think it makes sense to like list those tokens or create pools for those tokens directly on ThorChain because what like in the future, the DEX aggregator model will, will be like in 2023, you'll, you'll never like, like Astroport and ThorSwap and everyone will be forced to become a multi, multi-chain DEX. That's my, that's my prediction. Like either you're a multi-chain DEX or you're not. And somebody else builds a multi-chain DEX that just like grabs liquidity from Astroport's con contract and then ports it over into uh, uh, ThorChain. And so like what this is going to become is it's going to become a race to whoever can build the best UX and attract the most users to their DEX aggregator. Um, and so our job like with ThorChain will be, be as Nine Realms, which is basically be to advocate um, the, those connections and, and help teams sort of get on board with this new multi-chain world. Um, more about that soon. We, we, we have some really interesting things cooking up on how we're going to facilitate that. 
um, because we're kind of in a unique role in this ecosystem to kind of, um, you know, see what all these projects are doing because we're integrating with all these projects. So like we are like the opposite of maxis of anything. Like we know what's going on in, in the, in, in Terra world, we know what's going on in ETH world. And we're going to basically bring all of those into, um, into as many venues as, as are, there are teams that are willing to build these, these new sort of multi-chain DEX aggregators that I believe are the future of the space. Yeah. Thanks Pluto. That was a great explanation. Uh, just real quick. Also, I, I pinned up, um, Thor swaps plans for releasing the aggregator in phases. So if people are curious to see there's already five different phases planned. Um, and you can see the, the second version is when, um, Terra and Astroport would be, would be added. So that like, everything you said, I fully agree. And that's, that's stuff that's absolutely happening. And, extremely exciting and um and Thorswap will even have an api for for their aggregator so um you know these other apps and stuff could even integrate the the full suite of it um on top of just the the core thor chain l1 to l1 um which will be really exciting to see and just overall driving volume and adoption and integrations so yeah uh that was that was a great explanation. Cool. Um, cool. Let, who? Let's see. I think it was. I think Chris was waiting. Chris, if you're there. Uh, if not, uh, let's see. I think also Thor Guardian was waiting. Hey guys, good afternoon. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, good. Thank you guys. Um, I wanted to say first of all, thank you all guys for uh, tremendous amount of work that you have put over the years. I've been with the Thor Chain since uh, 2019 end of 2019 and i've seen it grow and i know that the, the amount of work that went inside to deliver this product is it's beyond comprehension so i want to say thank you to all the team i know you guys don't get enough recognition for all the hard work that you put in for that first of all um second question is uh, my question is actually is about torfi um and when when would be expected to uh have this feature uh working uh, there's no specific dates for it. Like everything is going to need to undergo strenuous testing and modeling beforehand to make sure that uh, you know we're not introducing any vulnerabilities and to make sure that the system won't crumble under stress. So we're making sure again the number one focus of uh, at least the Nine Realms team uh, on our side is security and stability. So that includes. Um, strenuous testing before any of this stuff goes out. So I believe Chad in the past has put a, a summer target on it, like a June, July target. Uh, we have we have no idea, uh, to be honest, because it's all just up to how quickly we can work through uh, everything. The core team has to go through the implementation of it and like actually you know coding out all the features. And then uh, we need to go through the modeling and making sure that it's uh, you know, economically secure and that all the assumptions are correct and that it actually makes sense to implement. So uh, I would expect this summer at the earliest. I got you. I got you. Okay. So yeah. So like a long, long term, uh, more or less, I think by the end of the year, we can, we can have this feature working. Um, okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. That's the question that I had. Well, thanks for coming up. Uh, Davey or Chris, if you're there. All right, Davey. Hey, what's going on gentlemen, man. Great tech. Everybody already knows that the timing could already, you know, never be any better like um i just found you guys like podcasts i'm gonna be going through like just old stuff listening to it but one thing like how did like the nine realms team like like get together and have like 
the most decentralized type of product and like still like <laughs> like give like weekly reports quarterly updates like how did the like the inception of the team i've never heard anything yeah. about it so, and i really so, want to hear it from you all Thanks. Yeah, I'll let Pluto go into this because he definitely knows the whole story. But just to be clear, Nine Realms is not the core development team. We're a separate team that just works alongside the core development team, uh, you know, just because it's a centralized system. So we're just another team that, that works on the protocol. So, yeah, Pluto, let's hear. Yeah, uh, great point. Like, yeah, in the spirit of sort of decentralization, it's there's no like one team that that, is, that like takes responsibility for the whole project it's it's definitely a group effort between multiple teams and we expect as the project matures for there to be more teams even that emerge um to you know essentially uh, help with the stewardship of the network um i can tell you for 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 one that i was tricked into joining nine realms um no i'm just kidding but like um i i was originally doing like a like node operator for um like essentially a, a, a large rune whale. And I was operating um, his nodes just like kind of on the side. Um, and then Gavin, the, uh, the, the co-founder of nine realms um, like was like, Hey, let's chat about node ops. And I was like, cool. Um, and then, and they right, secretly, they were just trying to hire me. So um, like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been mostly since then, like, like Eridanus myself, and Orion all kind of like joined randomly at the same time. It, it was, it was quite, um, it was quite interesting, like the timing. Cause we just all kind of like joined at the same time. And, um, and then like, um, like less than a month later, um, there were the hacks. So like how, like our role, like at first we thought we were just going to be doing like, n like node operations for, 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 for whales. Um, and then kind of our role started to evolve, um, in the fallout of the hacks where it became, it became clear that in order for the project to succeed and to thrive, there would need to be, you know, diverse teams in, in different time zones with different skill sets and different perspectives, um, than the original core team. Um, and so we still work closely with them today, um, but part of the part of the idea of planned obsolescence is that um, the core team will start to take uh, more of a back role, and and nine realms will um, will start to fill the sort of um, like like in in the hot seat as the as the primary sort of um, operational advisor to the network. Again, it is a decentralized network, so like the the node operators are ultimately responsible for its. Um, it's ongoing operation and also for deciding sort of the outcome of things like what chains to add, what network content constants are getting set. Um, but our role as nine realms will just be to sort of like advise the community based on, on, on our experience in these matters. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give my usual plug that, um, nine realms is always hiring. And if that sounds like something you're interested in, um, get in touch. Yeah, I also just want to add, like, you know, we're just like a group of people that are really bullish on Thorchain that have relevant skills that got together one day and we're like, you know what, we're going to like just start doing shit for Thorchain. And, and it just like blossomed from there. And so, you know, like we encourage, we hope that more teams like that will pop up because 
you know, it, moving from one core team to another core team is not decentralization, right? Like we're just a group of people who are super passionate about this project and we're going to do everything in our power to make it successful and continue its success. And we hope that other teams join us in that mission. Totally. I think, I think having at least two sort of core teams is, is, is always going to be useful because it's like, it's a, it's a way for people with differing opinions to kind of like provide dissent and to enter and to avoid, you know, group think that can, that can, you know, um, can sort of start to like, it, it can, it can just happen no matter how good you are, no matter how much experience you have, like at some point, you know, you're going to have blind spots as a team. And so like having teams to keep other teams sort of in check um, are the sort of like, it, it's the sort of system that we want that we believe will, will lead to the best possible, um, you know, the best possible outcome for, for Thorchain as a project. Um, so that is to say like, like for planned obsolescence, like the core team is not going anywhere. They will continue to be in, involved in, um, you know, in, in, in their role as sort of like the people that built it and have the most background and, and experience. Um, but, um, but nine realms will, will be jumping in the driver's seat at that time. And, and we invite any other individuals who either want to join nine realms or to form their own teams to essentially, you know, be the next in line or, or to provide that dissenting opinion. Um, that that's something that we, we very much want. And, um, you know, as, as part of that transition, we will be, um, taking over, um, parts of the treasury. So again, like there is funding for people, like if, if team, all a team has to do to, uh, is show up and like prove themselves and, and they can get a, they can get a piece of that as well. So that was basically what happened to us. Like there was no expectation, um, that, that would, that would, that would be the case. Like we, we were just like, we're just going to jump in and just start contributing to this because, you know, it can help us become thought leaders and people would trust us to like run, you know, run some nodes for them. Um, we never expected it to take on sort of the, uh, what it, what it has become today. Um, and so likewise, like, like any, anyone who like, basically the possibilities are limitless and, and we're open to working with as many people, um, as, as humanly possible. Like all we want to do is work with smart people on this project. Let me just add to that and say that anyone in the audience, anyone that's part of the community can get involved and, you know, be on this level of, uh, you know, being part of these teams for, for Thorchain and like really make a difference in, uh, you know, the operation that is Thorchain, which is a, a huge operation. Like, you know, my, myself, I started a, uh, a Thorchain sneaker project in, in July and started doing Twitter spaces. And now I'm up here hosting these, <laughs> these Friday podcasts somehow. Uh, it's kind of crazy how this stuff all shakes out, but literally anyone could uh, be up here doing this. All you have to do is take some initiative and, uh, you know, network, network in the community, meet, meet people, talk to people. And if you're passionate about Thorchain, there's to do, to make a difference and really do something. Yeah. I'll just add Absolutely. one more thing. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. Oh yeah. I was just gonna add one more thing. Like uh, nine realms is a role is, is really just like more of sort of like coordination um, and operations than it is anything else. Like, like at the end of the day, this, this, ecosystem is only as strong as its third party contributors. So those, those teams that I mentioned before, um, you know, some of them 
um, are very visible to you, like the Thor Swap team, Asgard X, um, you know, uh, View Block. Some of them not so visible. Um, so we have people behind the scenes like writing, um, you know, um, bots, doing um, bare metal node stuff, doing, um, you know, and, and then of course there's like the, this whole um, um, like animal. Without those teams, Thorchain could not exist. So really Nine Realms' only role is to continue to find and curate and fund and help assist those teams to become, um, you know, an even bigger, um, you know, um, magnifying function for the ecosystem as a whole. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks guys. Great job. The tech is absolutely amazing. I kind of wish I would have started off with Rust versus Solidity, but it is freaking amazing. Thanks. Thanks, man. Smith. Oh wait, I think, sorry. I think Smith was up here uh, first. Sorry about that. Uh, Don't wrap your Bitcoin. (laughs) Hey guys, th- thank you very much, and um, yeah, thanks. I could I could listen to Nine Realms all day long. It's so uh, so reassuring and so bullish. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask about um, chain integrations, and I'm sorry I missed the first like uh, five minutes, maybe. So I joined when you were talking about uh, Avax. And um, yeah, I did a little Twitter poll and it was really good. Uh, one and a half thousand people voted. And basically, I think everyone agrees on the the chains that are the priorities and they're the same priorities as the core team and the, the community already have. It's like a haven for privacy and Cosmos IBC for uh, all sorts of reasons that, that we know. Um, and then there's a lot of support as well for doing uh, EVMs, which you were talking about, uh, especially uh, AVAX uh, and also after that Binance Smart Chain or BNB Chain, which no one's very hyped about, but it's an off-bridge, an off-ramp from Binance and it's sort of massively, it's heavily used by people with MetaMask. And um, what I wanted to ask about was just... um, Sorry, and I know the priority is stability and security and it has to be. Um, so that's that's really good. And that Nine Realms brings that focus. But I just wanted to ask in terms of, um, so Haven is probably, I heard a few months away. I was just wondering if given that what Pluto was saying about AVAX not looking that difficult to do and Smart Chain being basically an ETH fork, is it possible to do some of that like low hanging fruit, easy integration, high volume stuff sort of in parallel so that we can be sort of adding users and volume in the meantime and sort of carry on the momentum, the huge momentum that Terra brought because really it's the first network that's cheap to use and high volume. And the the only other, well, there's Solana, which is difficult, but really Ethereum um, and these Ethereum sort of like they're almost uh, they're almost L2s, although they're not. But um, they 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 are the main galaxy really of sort of actually existing DeFi users. And so I was just wondering if it would be possible to sustain that momentum by while doing the difficult stuff, sort of just picking some of that low hanging fruit um, 
but that's a bit of a personal personal thing. Uh, like I, I think that's a really good idea, and lots of other people do too. And the second question was uh, about Cosmos. So, well, we are we we. Uh, sorry, I don't fully understand, but we and Terra um, are part of the Cosmos ecosystem. And uh, I was talking to Chad Thoreau, who thought that integrating with the IBC was maybe quite straightforward. So I was just wondering if that was something that could be done sooner rather than later as well. So cheers, guys. Uh, Those are the questions. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all all great questions and great points. So, um, you know, everything is just a balancing act, right? You know, between stability, security, uh, exposure, uh, bringing new users, onboarding them, and everything needs to be done safely. So yes, of course, things can be worked on in parallel, and then it just becomes a question of sequencing. Obviously, you don't want to do too many things at once. You don't want to ship to chain new chain integrations at once. Um, you don't want to be declaring mainnet, and a week before, you integrated a new chain, and then a week later, you have some sort of churn bug that, you know, brings brings churns to to a halt. So everything needs to be thought about in that way. Um, I, I hear your point about kind of uh, taking advantage of current momentum. And I think, yes, integrating new chains is is one way to continue it. And I think there's other ways uh, that are that are potentially even lower hanging fruit, such as integrating new DEXs on uh, on chains that are already um, already are integrated. So we're in talks with uh, a few Ethereum DEXs to, you know, take advantage of the DEX aggregator pattern. Um, and that will just, uh, you know, the, the more communities we can plug into um, and and get users from, the better, right? So they, they will be excited to give their users native BTC off ramps. Uh, and we will obviously, uh, you know, enjoy the volume because of that. Um, so, so yes, chain integration is one way, uh, new DEX integration is another way. Uh, and then just, you know, finding a- additional use cases for ThorChain, which, which there certainly are. Um, but, and to your point, uh, I think the, the EVM chains, yes, are, are probably the lowest hanging fruit for new chain integrations because they've already been mostly proven out with Ethereum. Obviously, everything is a little bit nuanced in certain ways. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that can be kind of uh, in parallel worked on. And then again, coming down to the question of sequencing and, and what the community thinks about like mainnet and, and the sequencing of a new chain before mainnet or, or after mainnet. Um, and so again, like we put out that request for, for, for comment and we're always uh, uh, welcoming feedback with the sequencing. Um, so that's kind of to point on uh, the, the first question. And the second question for IBC is, so there's a little bit of a distinction with IBC. So uh, originally we explored the idea of integrating IBC into our liquidity pools, uh, which would give us the ability to kind of tap into every IBC connected chain. Um, however, you know, that, that doesn't really fit the, the model of uh, ThorChain, right? Because IBC is basically run by, run by these relayers that kind of, uh, you know, pipe messages to each IBC connected blockchain, uh, but they're not right now economically incentivized. Uh, so we wouldn't want our validators to run that extra infrastructure uh, to run the relayers um, because it, it, you know the thing, uh, people could just kind of spam the relayers and and bring them down, DDoS uh, our validators, and it would just add additional complexity. And we already have a mechanism for communicating between chains. Um, that's exactly what ThorChain does. So that's like the Bifrost uh, uh, interface. Um, 
but there is another way to use IBC and, and that might be the way that you're referencing. And that is uh, to be able to uh, basically beam native ThorChain assets into uh, other projects in in the uh, Cosmos ecosystem. Um, and that is, is something that, um, you know, is very possible. Um, we actually have a PR open to, uh, to enable that. Um, but one thing that we need to be careful of is, again, the economic models that we are uh, potentially affecting. So one option would be to uh, allow Rune itself to be piped out into other DEXs to be traded and, and create new markets. That's a possibility. I think, um, obviously, we want Rune to participate in the network through liquidity pools and bonding. Um, so we don't want you know, we wouldn't want 200 million Rune sitting on Osmosis decks, for example. We want to deploy it on, on ThorChain Network. So there is a slight risk there, although it could be a good way to drive demand of the Rune token. Uh, the other things that could be beamed out are synthetic assets that exist today or derived assets that, that will come with ThorFi. Um, synthetic assets is tricky because uh, it, it does change the economic model of uh, of the liquidity pools. Um, and so we wouldn't want those synthetic assets to be beamed out and necessarily stranded in these other ecosystems. We actually want it, we want the the balance of synthetics to be present in the ThorChain ecosystem so that it can be mint and redeemed and traded um, as was the design. Um, however, the derived assets is a little bit different because there isn't a cap, uh, there isn't a theoretical cap at the uh, balance of derived assets in the pools. Um, and that could be kind of more easily fluctuated between ThorChain and other DEXs uh, or other Cosmos blockchains. Um, thank you for the super comprehensive answer. Really helpful. I mean, just to throw in my two pence worth, um, if we're talking about the sequencing and EVMs and mainnet, personally, uh, if sort of putting EVMs on hold while we do mainnet, so there's a bit of a pause then and it's stability and security and then it's mainnet and then there's a little bit of a pause because you don't want to do anything too sort of disruptive just after you've announced mainnet. So to be honest, to me, that sounds like you're talking about three months, even more, six months uh, before integrating an EVM, uh, which is like the core of actually existing sort of used DeFi um, and, and volume. Um, so personally, I would really strongly support uh, prioritizing doing whatever EVM is sort of cheapest and quickest, whether it's AVAX or whether it's smart chain um, and having that sort of stable and secure for a month or whatever or two uh, before mainnet, because to me, it feels a little bit strange to be saying uh, like, hooray, this is mainnet, isn't it amazing? Um, and to have like Litecoin, uh, Bitcoin Cash and Doge and not a single sort of l l low gas capital efficient EVM on there. So, so sorry, I'll, st I'll stop there. Basically, I'm like, I, I am a hyper bullish hyper grateful and bullish for all the amazing work being done but for me i do feel like this is like a big sort of standout thing in terms of this being adopted and used so thank you yeah 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 i absolutely hear you um yeah i don't, I don't know if you caught me talking about wanting to sunset some of the chains that we do have integrated but yeah and and, and you know there is a distinct possibility that we 
um, add a new chain and then wait 60 days from there and then declare mainnet. You know, uh, again, all this stuff is, is still kind of coming together with so many people in the conversation, which is how it should be, but obviously makes the, you know, the cementing process, um, something that takes very long. Um, so yeah, th- thank you for your input. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, don't wrap my Bitcoin. Hi guys. Um, my question is, uh, will there be a marketplace for tone names and when are tone names coming live to ChaosNet? That is a good question. That is, um, something else that is on our list. And I, I don't, again, I don't know what the exact sequencing is. I think Thorsec is looking at Thor names. And I think the, the core team is doing another pass and another audit of the code. Um, I believe a lot of the code, if not all of it is already merged, but flagged off. Um, so I know there's a few PRs open, I think to handle the pre-registration and maybe a few other tweaks. So I think those would probably go out first. Um, and I think, you know, conversations are happening of priority again, because everything is comes down to priority. Um, and, but I, I do think, uh, you know, it, it's mostly ready. I think it, it just comes down to again, like, okay, is this something we want to ship before mainnet or after mainnet? Um, so yeah, sorry, I wish we could give you more of an answer, but, uh, I think we can probably give some update, more updates on that in, in the coming weeks or so. All right. Thank you. I believe it's on stage net right now, right? Like, uh, Thornage is being tested. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah it's active on stage right now. Cool. Uh, AF? Uh, hey, guys. Um, really appreciate you guys mentioning that 9R respects breadth of thought. Um, I, uh, like I recently checked out um, Amidify, and I noticed that you guys only have um, bug bounties for critical uh, bugs found. Um, and I was wondering, as, as Thorchain uh, like implements more, more chains as it adds more liquidity, the, the risk inherently increases. I was wondering if that's something that's going to be changed later on. I, I noticed that even things like Ashport and, uh, and like Olympus had, had larger, um, like bounties as well. Um, I think that's something that, that was mentioned earlier. Um, and I was, I was wondering if, if that's something I could, if, if, if you guys had meant, if you, if you guys could, could, could like can talk about that. Yeah, that's uh, that's such a great, Feedback. We haven't uh, changed the, um, I think the, the criticality levels uh, since we set up that program, and I think our obviously focus when uh, we were the chain was paused for that time was to focus on the critical, um, critical bugs. Um, but we probably could expand that a little bit lower. Um, so yeah, uh, Pluto, do you have any thoughts on that as well? Yeah, I was gonna say um, we should add. We should add um, a, a class of bug, maybe high or medium, like maybe maybe a new class like called high. Where um, you know, I don't know if anyone thought like there was a there was an issue with Furs Wallet recently that caused like a customer to um, to lose a bunch of money because they like accidentally sent ETH to the router. So that's not that's not like specifically a um, a bug with Thorchain, but it's it's a bug with one of Thorchain's ecosystem sort of partners that re- resulted in lots of funds to a user. And it's, it's often difficult for users to be able to differentiate between bugs that are, you know, our fault versus not our fault. They're just like, Oh, I'm using ThorChain and I lost money. So um, we, yeah, we could potentially explore adding a new class of bug that is not like critical to the network itself, but could actually result in like a poor user experience for end users. And then we could expand the, uh, the amount of the bounty to uh, to uh, to basically incentivize those. I think that's a great idea. 
Sweet. That's all. Thanks, guys. Cool. Uh, that's everyone up on stage. Is there anyone else that has questions? They, anyone can request to come up and just uh, ask anything to the Nine Realms team. Hey, Thermaxian. What's up, gents? Hello. So I have. A, we're always hearing about the different roles you can, uh, you know, play in Thorchain. You can be an LP. You can be a node operator. But no one ever talks about the arbitragers. Can Nine Realms give any info on like? You know, what kind of software are the arbitragers running? Who are the arbitragers right now? Like, how hard is it to get involved in that? Any input? Um, that's a that's a really good question. So um, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know who the arbitragers are, but there are a lot of them. I mean, we, we track addresses. Hmm. I mean, that just have transactions every minute. Um, so, you, you, you know, it's quite obvious who uh, who these who these people are. But I, I know that the, the core team, you know, like, years ago, you know, put up a repo and you can actually go to it in the uh, Thorchain GitLab organization. There is a, there's an Arbot um, kind of framework or just kind of example. And it, it might be outdated at this point, but it was just kind of the general example of how, how, you know, someone could do it. Um, and in terms of like what software people are running, I, I would assume either Python or, or Node.js or, or, or something like that. I mean, it, it could be really any programming language that you are proficient in that has like network capabilities. Um, so yeah, I mean, but yeah, we don't really know who these people are and you know, anyone can, can run an Arbot. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I'm not a coder myself. So if somebody, uh, you know, it seems like an opportunity for a product, if somebody came up with a, you know, or added into, you know, Thor wallet or Thor swap or something, some like automatic R bots stick in your money and pick your pools. That would be interesting. Yeah, that could be cool. There is a, a website I think that shows uh, spread between Thor chain pools and, and uh, external exchanges. Um, so, I mean, you could even, you have a quick finger do do some manual transactions right but i would i would caution anyone against like trying to do manual r um, yeah no, i was just completely joking yeah, yeah, right. yeah you're, you're gonna get by a bot like 99 of the time it's it's funny anytime like a chain gets altered people are like oh my god you know some so-and-so token is not, i'm gonna as soon as it gets unhalted i'm gonna try to swap it and then they get wrecked because some <laughs> some our bot is already like got their synths loaded up and just like arb the price in 0.1 seconds so um yeah our, our i mean arb is one of those things that like i don't think that there will ever be a product for it because why would you like like why would you uh create a product where you'd share your profit when like the our bot's intellectual property is like worth way more than the capital of some random people like like if i wanted to create an arm bot and i said like i have a strategy that can like earn you know x amount like i could basically take as much capital as i needed from a silent investor like if, if i've never seen like an arm bot product it's in this space that actually like works well for everyone Right, it's like basically, nothing would beat LPing. Yeah, yeah, and just like as a, anybody who has the skill to build an ARB bot is not going to want to share their profit with someone and can raise enough right. money to do it on their own. Uh, just to add a little bit of caution to that, I've seen multiple times on uh, YouTube people have 
you know, they'll put, they'll put up a video and say like, Oh, here, like we made this art bot. You can like, you can download it. You upload the contract and here, look, look at the art bot work. You're making, uh, you know, I, I made, I made half an ETH overnight while I was sleeping. While, you know, just download, download the bot and you could do it too. And there's a hundred comments that are like, I made, no, that's exactly what it is. It, well, actually, no, that's not what it is. It's uploading a, a malicious contract that will just wipe all of your funds basically. Uh, and just send, you know, it, it uses a, a contract call to just send your money. To, like they're, they're just arbing your money into, into their wallet basically. But there's a, a hundred spam comments. It's like, Oh my God, like, thanks. I'm a millionaire like overnight now. So, you know, I, I would be extremely cautious about anything that claims to offer a service like that because i've seen a hundred scams uh and you know people like people actually trusting these bots for some reason with uh with their actual funds and again anyone that's doing that they're they're doing it for their own profit they're, they make way more money doing it themselves than uh than it would be worth to just share this information especially for free right <laughs> all right thanks for the input cool is there any uh closing thoughts you guys want to wrap up with uh i don't think so good stuff good conversations yeah i'll just say real quick uh just just thank you to the nine realms team um you know everything we were touching on earlier like just the level of professionalism the attention to like the obvious importance of security and um just the level-headedness about new chains and pushing new features um just speaking from the community perspective uh we all really appreciate it. And uh, you guys have really brought up the game of, of Thorchain as a whole. So, uh, yeah, great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for, for hosting these spaces. I mean, I think this is just very valuable space. Um, so I appreciate your hard work in that. Thanks. I think this is the one of the most fun ones we've had. It's cool getting some other, uh, other voices and perspectives up on here. We should do it more often. Absolutely. Let's do it. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Appreciate everything you guys are doing. Uh, and... Yeah, let's let's keep at it. We do every single week, Fridays, noon Eastern, uh, Thorchain weekly update right here on Twitter Spaces. Then they're uploaded to uh, to YouTube on RuneBase, and the recordings are available immediately afterwards on Twitter. And they're available for thirty days. You can just click on the space on the Thorchain profile, and you'll see the space, and you can uh, listen to everything. Listen. Uh, for all the good updates and things that are going on, this is the best spot to get your questions answered and to learn about the chain. So thanks guys. We'll see you next week. Awesome. Take care.